it's still the season of love, but there's a different special kind of love that's not romantic love, but it's super important, so much so that the scriptures say that without it, we are nothing. You probably know what it is, and we're going to talk about it. This is the Fathers Who Fight podcast. Welcome to episode 27 of the Fathers Who Fight podcast. We are fathers banding together to strengthen one another in following Jesus Christ and resisting the enemy of our souls by living eternal warrior principles. This is Rob, and with me is Lloyd. Hello, Lloyd. Hey, Rob. Good to see you once again. How was your Valentine's Day? It was good. That reminds me of the challenge, because it had everything to do with Valentine's Day. We challenged you last week to um, let your significant other know how important they are to you. Do something so they know that you care. And I did that. And I started a couple days early before Valentine's Day. I bought flowers just because I could. And (laughs) that put a smile on her face. And... Uh, like I talked last week, I made sure I took her out on Saturday because Valentine's was on Sunday. And um, so we did. We went. I took her to a restaurant we've never been before. We like to experiment. Yeah. And we uh, especially like to go to mom and pop restaurants instead of all the big chains. And so I found one. It was a little bit of a drive up in Perry, Utah. Oh. And, um, but it was fun. That's great. Yeah, I wonder if we uh, if if we say where we went, if they'll like sponsor us. <laughs> okay, I went to a place called the Rusty Spoon. Oh, which, cool! Which is a little mom and pop place just off of Highway 89, and um, really good food. Um, little hometown atmosphere, which is what I really love. We really love, and and it was just a nice night. And so that was Saturday, and um, Sunday, my wife, on Valentine's, she plays the I Love You Fairy and puts out little um, candies and little dollar store presents where everybody sits uh, at the dinner table. And so she did that, but I did some for her. I uh, got her chocolate-covered cinnamon bears. And I wrote a little note and stuck it in an envelope with a valentine. And, and that put a big smile on her face. And then I cooked special, her favorite food for um, lunch after church. So well done. it made her happy. And so I guess I did a good job. <laughs> well, if you didn't, she probably wouldn't be happy. So I would say, yes, you did a good job. <laughs> How about you, Rob? What'd you do? Yeah, I had, uh, let's see, well, honestly, the week before, even before we recorded the podcast, I had um, kind of uh, sent the first half of my gift, or had had it shipped, uh, some chocolate-covered strawberries, and then also, was it, no, Tuesday, I guess, Um, last Tuesday, I had flowers delivered, because when you, if you don't know this, by the way, 
for the guys out there. If you have the flowers delivered a couple days before Valentine's Day, you don't get extra shipping charges (laughs) 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 if you order online. So, yeah, so have it a few days before. And and being that I actually um, work for a company that delivers packages, it also helps so that if there's any delay in shipping, you still get there on time. Because today I delivered some flowers that (laughs) were sent next day but they probably should have uh, gotten there Friday or Saturday, but because of weather issues, uh, they got there today. So oh. I'm guessing there were some husbands who might've been in a little hot water. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually had a great weekend together. It was uh, just the two of us. Uh, our boys went out of town and so we just stayed home and relaxed. We went to a restaurant we'd never been to called Sweet Lake Biscuits and Limeade. Oh, that was that was good. Yeah, there's two of them in Utah. It was amazing. So, yeah, kind of a mom and pop place too. But anyway, it was yeah. We had a great great weekend. Awesome. What do you got in store for us tonight, Rob? Ooh. <laughs> we have lots in store, and honestly, yeah, this is a, a topic that we could spend hours on we're not going to right now but i guess it probably gives us uh, some topics for other episodes in the future <laughs> uh-huh. but i have some i have a few memories that really stick out to me over the years about charity and being that charity is the pure love of christ uh, i think as fathers it's very important that we learn to develop it. My my first remembrance of charity, I was a deacon and we had a deacon's quorum lesson. And for some reason, you know, I mean, how many actual lessons do you remember from when you were growing up? <laughs> Probably very few, you know, maybe uh-huh. you remember who was there or whatever, but do you remember what was said? Well, for some reason, I remember that this lesson stuck out to me because, well, I don't know why, but it was about charity. And I remember the Deacon's Quorum advisor challenging us to, in all of our prayers, pray for charity. And from that day on, um, one of my friends in the Deacon's Quorum, who's uh, basically my best friend, he gave the closing prayer and he prayed for charity. And then whenever he would say prayers after that in church, I remember him praying for charity. And so, you know, that's that lesson stuck out to him. And I think probably his doing that helped me to remember and think about charity and how important it is. The second thing I remember is as a missionary, uh, we were, uh, so I, I reported to the Missionary Training Center in May and we got our, our, our visas were delayed. We were going to Hungary and they'd recently changed the laws. And so we couldn't get our visas right away. And so we were serving in the States in the Illinois Chicago mission. And the general conference was the Saturday and Sunday before we were to depart for Hungary on Monday. When, uh, things had worked out to get our visas. So that particular general conference is memorable to me. And there was a talk from that one by Elder Hartman Rector Jr. Uh, he was being released as an emeritus member of the 70. And he, he gave a talk called Endure to the End in Charity. And it was m- really memorable. 
Um, and I've got the quote here. He said, well, he said, basically, there's three things that he feels that Heavenly Father requires of us to endure to the end. One is that we must continue to repent for the rest of our lives. Number two is we must continue to forgive others. And then he says, and three, yes, we must be nice. (laughs) (laughs) He said, if we're not nice, I don't think we're going to make it. And then he said, in other words, we must have charity, which is really love plus sacrifice. And for some reason that stuck out to me because a lot of people interchange the words charity and love, I think. But to me, it was kind of a a lesson to me that charity implies doing something, you know, not just the feeling of love or being loving, but giving of yourself a little bit more. That's what true charity is. And honestly, when you think about it, you know, Christ is, of course, as in all things, the perfect example of charity. And that's what he did. He sacrificed his whole life was given for others. You know, he never did anything self-serving. And so I, I really love that definition of charity, love plus sacrifice. And then the third thing that comes to mind with charity is a, a few years later, by this time I'm married, we have some younger boys. And I got the impression that in our family home evenings that we should focus on charity. And I can't remember exactly if there was something happening that caused me to, to get that you know, prompting or whatever, but we, uh, we began to do that. And so we would take, you know, the, the verses about charity and, you know, how it breaks it down and says what charity is and what it isn't. And basically each week in family home evening, we would discuss that and talk about that. Well, when it came time for my oldest son to, serve a mission and he got to have a missionary plaque. What was the scripture on his missionary plaque? It was Moroni 7, the last last part of Moroni 7 about charity. So obviously, I don't know if it was, you know, from those lessons, but obviously charity has had an impact in his life too. That's awesome. I think that um, we read in the scriptures about how we need to be like Christ and that if we do so, that um, it will be well with us when he comes again because we are like him. And I think that that is absolutely talking about charity. Right. And that, um, like you said, it's loving somebody, but it's sacrificing. It's putting, um, doing action. It's doing something for somebody else. Let me ask you this, being that we are fathers who fight, we're talking about being a father and and how charity impacts us as fathers and how it can and should impact our families. So is there a particular aspect of charity that you feel is most important um, when it comes to being a father? The first one that comes to mind is towards our wives, as we've talked many times before that the most important thing we can do for our children is to love their mother. I remember a time in my life, I'd been married a couple of years, having all the struggles of newlyweds who, you know, the honeymoon's over and you're experiencing real life. And, you know, and having differences in, in not only of opinions, but the way we were raised and trying to get used to each other and everything. And 
and we get upset with each other. And one time, after we'd been upset with each other, and we'd gone to our own corners, something, it was probably divine intervention, the Holy Ghost working on me, said to me that being right isn't as important as the relationship. The relationship with my wife is more important than being right. And I decided I don't care if I'm right. I don't care what's right. I love my wife. Everything else doesn't matter. And that was a huge turning point in my life to say, to realize that, you know, if I don't put the relationship first, there won't be a, a relationship. And all this other stuff, you know, my pride, my whatever, doesn't matter. What matters is feeling close to my wife. And so, yeah, I went and apologized. And, and things have been a lot better since then. Yes, I've had a lot more to learn since then. But that was a huge turning point. Another thing about charity is um, with our kids. Not only do we want to teach them charity, it's more important to model charity. And I don't think I have, I'm great at this. Um, some of my kids, it's lots easier to feel love and to serve than it is others. But I've learned that God gave me these children to teach me. So I can learn a little more about, like we started this part of the conversation, of to be like Him. He has a plan to save them. And a lot of what's happening right now is to teach me, to refine me, to help me do and be better. And that perspective helps me weather some of the storms and keep myself in a better place. I thought that was really profound what you said earlier, that if you don't put the relationship first, there isn't going to be a relationship. That's pretty powerful. And I think that, yeah, I think that applies to our children as well. That, you know, if we don't feed the relationship with them with love and charity, then they're not going to want to be close to us and have a relationship with us as, as they get older. That's a kind of a scary thought. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one, one of the aspects of charity that I think applies with regards to our children is that um, charity is not easily provoked. That's, uh, you know, I think generally speaking, we as men and as fathers probably have, uh, have a little more tendency to have a bad temper than than women do and so you know the it, it can be and, and i know speaking for myself i think i can tend to be selfish at times when it comes to uh, wanting you know some quiet time and so you know when children are being loud and you know trying to um, interrupt quiet time, then it's easy to become provoked and be like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> um, That's no fair, Rob. You're describing me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, it's, it's, uh, I, I think hopefully I'm not, uh, hopefully other people who are listening can, can relate to this too, because yeah, because then that means that we can hopefully help. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I think we mentioned it in last episode, but Elder Holland gave a talk um, back in 2000 called How Do I Love Thee? And he, uh, he gives the example that really helps to put in perspective, um, I think, how we need to act when it comes to how to handle our relationships and especially in our families with our wives and our children. So there, uh, he says as a youth in England, there was a young man named Samuel Plimsoll, P L I M S O L L. And it said he was fascinated with watching ships load and unload their cargoes. But then he soon observed that regardless of the cargo space available, each ship had its maximum capacity. And if a ship exceeded its limit, it would likely sink at sea. And then, in 1868, Plimsoll entered Parliament and passed a Merchant Shipping Act that, among other things, called for making calculations of how much a ship could carry. As a result, lines were drawn on the whole of each ship in England. As the cargo was loaded, the freighter would sink lower and lower into the water. When the water level on the side of the ship reached the Plimsoll mark, the ship was considered loaded to capacity regardless of how much space remained. As a result, British deaths at sea were greatly reduced. So how does this relate to charity? I, I just think this is awesome. Elder Holland says, like ships, people have differing capacities at different times and even different days in their lives. In our relationships, we need to establish our own plimsoll marks and help identify them in the lives of those we love. Together, we need to monitor the load levels and be helpful in shedding or at least readjusting some cargo if we see our sweetheart is sinking. Then, when the ship of love is stabilized, we can evaluate long-term what has to continue, what can be put off until another time, and what can be put off permanently. Friends, sweethearts, and spouses need to be able to monitor each other's stress and recognize the different tides and seasons of life. Awesome. I, I just think that's so powerful because, well, I'll give you an example from just this weekend. It was, you know, uh, again, our, our weekend together, um, and you know, we look forward to these. We, we do these quarterly, actually, um, where we just, you know, have spend a weekend together. And they have meant the world to our relationship. It's been a huge difference maker. Well, I was getting dressed on one of the mornings, and I had a shirt that was uh, a little bit tighter than normal. Now I have been putting on some weight, but <laughs> I've, I've been experiencing this with a few of my shirts recently that I, I can definitely tell that they have shrunk. And, um, so I, I hadn't said anything about it to my wife previously. And the thought came to mind that you know, well, you know, we're, we're having a good weekend together. And if I say it nicely, it's, you know, it's not going to be a problem. So sure enough, as, as she approached me, as I was getting dressed, I said, can I ask you one thing? And then I proceeded to, you know, mention to her about 
the dry, the setting on the dryer when she does the laundry, making note that my shirts had shrunk. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. And, and then she went upstairs and then I stopped and I realized, oh boy, what did I do? Like she wasn't, she wasn't upset, but I realized this is our weekend and what in the world am I doing bringing up laundry on our weekend? Like it's, if it was that important, I either should have brought it up later, uh, sooner or an, another time in the future. Like why say anything to potentially disrupt our weekend? And to her credit and to my great appreciation, it didn't bother her. I went, after I got dressed, I went upstairs and I sincerely apologized and told her how sorry I was because of those reasons that I just mentioned. In the past, the state of our relationship, it probably would have messed up the weekend. So, you know, to her credit, she forgave me immediately and didn't think anything of it. And she appreciated the way in which I brought it up. But by the same token, it was a lesson to me, another lesson <laughs> that, that I do need to be mindful of what, you know, what her capacity is as far as, you know, when is the appropriate time to bring something up? Um, you know, because at, at any given point, if, if I bring something up in, in the wrong way or at the wrong time, it could literally sink her. And I definitely don't want to be the cause of that. Reminds me of a tool that you've talked about times, Rob, and that is to set aside a time to talk, that it's your and your spouse's time to talk. And if that's a regular thing and it's scheduled so that both spouses can plan on it, then things that you want to discuss or need to discuss can be set aside and inappropriate moments and save for that time to talk and that time to talk should be you know without the kids without you know um, where it's just you and her and it's you guys just time to talk and, and one author who also um, supports this idea they did it every night after dinner they said you know, after Every night, they clean, wow. yep. Yeah, uh, they um, after they cleaned up dinner, this is our half hour, and then go to their room. And the kids knew not to bother mom and dad <laughs> while they talk. And you know, and you know, and it doesn't have to just be about things that are troubling us. It's matter of fact, it's best if it's not. It was when you can share your day and learning experiences and calendar items and just time to connect and go over things. And But by scheduling it and being able to plan on it, whether it's once a week, once a day, or, or whatever works for you, it allows you in the heat of the moment of to say, no, I'm going to set this aside for our time to talk. You know, and there's a lot of times that frustrations and things like that, by the time it's time to talk, they don't bother you anymore. Yeah. And it, you know, and if it is something that, you know, is serious and needs to be talked about, well, it's easier to talk about it objectively and without passion and emotion in that scheduled time to talk. And anyway, you telling that story reminded me of that principle, and I think it's an awesome one.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, sometimes things just kind of fall off the wagon. You know, they they seem really important at the time, but you know, if if you don't bring it up and you decide, oh, I'm going to bring it up later, by the time it comes time to bring it up, you may just feel like, you know what, uh, you you might have even forgotten about it, or you may just decide, you know, it really isn't that big of a deal once you're yeah. out of the situation. So. Yeah, we talked about charity generally. We talked a little bit about um, not being easily provoked. Again, there's so much we could talk about. But as we begin to get close to the end of our time here, we'd like to invite you to think about, you know, is there an aspect of charity that you could focus on a little bit better? And this isn't our challenge yet, but but it'll lead to it. So, In Moroni chapter 7, starting in verse 45, Charity suffereth long, and is kind, and envieth not, and is not puffed up, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, and rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. There's a lot to charity, obviously. And... One way to get charity is, I kind of alluded to it earlier, is to pray for it. In in the talk that we uh, brought up before, Elder Holland talks about how charity is a gift that is bestowed to us. And it comes to us through consistent prayer and effort. Can't just, you know, pray for it and, you know, hope that it'll magically appear. But I think the very act of praying for it keeps it top of mind and keeps us focused on it. So then as we go throughout our day, we think, oh, I prayed for charity. Here's an opportunity for me to do something charitable. One thing that's helped me, and I've heard it from several in several places, is that um, it's not really our love. It's the love of Christ. Mm. And But if we can allow Christ to love whoever we're talking about, whoever the focus is in whatever situation, through us. Let His love flow through us. And we are acting in charity. So I know that's one thing I've prayed for is that, God, you love this person. Can you help me to show your love through to them? Yeah, that's a way to do it. That's an excellent point. Thank you for saying that. So what is our challenge, Lloyd? Our challenge is to pray for charity. So step one, pray for charity. Step two, act. So do something. So uh, we know that faith is an action tool and that a lot of times the Holy Ghost and the ideas and the inspiration and the guidance come when we step, put our feet forward and step into the water. So pray for charity and then take action and see what happens. Excellent. This might be a good time to mention that uh, if charity has eluded you, uh, love has eluded you in your marriage relationship, at Life Changing Services, uh, one of the things that we offer is a marriage repair workshop. And there are two separate ones. Uh, one is for men only, one is for women only. 
And then there's also a great tool that I believe we've talked about before called the Lazarus Lectures, where it's kind of self-guided lessons that you and your spouse can go through together and really begin to heal your relationship. And the reason they're called the Lazarus Lectures is the idea that um, Christ can help step in and raise your marriage from the dead or, or near dead. Um, I, I know um, my wife and I started doing the Lazarus Lectures over a year ago. Not that our relationship was near dead, but definitely we could have used some help. And it has really been a, a very helpful tool to strength, get us um, more unified and, and strengthening our marriage. It's made a, a ton of difference for us. Yeah, Life Changing Services offers lots of tools for all sorts of families in all sorts of situations. And the best way to get a hold of them is to go to the website, lifechangingservices.org. And there's phone numbers there and other ways for help and stuff like Rob was talking about. That's exactly right. And I think this might be a good time to announce, too, that next week we have a very special guest. We have Maurice Harker, who is the founder of Life Changing Services. He will be joining us and talking specifically to fathers. But if there is, you know, we have some questions in mind for him, obviously. But if there is something that you would like to ask him, please take a moment to email us at fatherswhofightatlifechangingservices.org. And we will try and ask him that question and include it in next week's podcast. We look forward to the opportunity to speak to the man directly and see what advice he has for us as fathers. Yep. So that's something to look forward to. Again, our email address is fatherswhofight at lifechangingservices.org and the website is lifechangingservices.org. So pray for charity and act in charity. And we will catch you next week on the next episode of the Fathers Who Fight podcast.